Hello, everybody. Welcome to our first official episode of Own the Road with Auto Trader, where we make car stuff simple for Canadians. Hey, Jody, who came up with that? I think you came up with that. I You're a smart boy. Good. I think it's pretty good. That's why I keep you around. It also makes a lot of sense. I know we kind of went over this in the little, you know, recap sort of, you know, jump off. But just to reiterate, you know, the, the, the approach here is a simple one. We just want to make car stuff simple for Canadians. That is our mission statement. Well, no, and, and to be fair, others are welcome too. This isn't exclusive to, to Canadians. It's just yeah, that. Yeah, but Auto Trader is Canadian. We're based in Toronto. We are. Um, so welcome to our episode on intro to greener driving because it is April and April is Earth Month. That's it, Earth Month. I think Earth I called month. it Green Month last last. Uh, oh, it's time. all the same. I don't really care about that, but... We're going to be talking all about uh, greener driving. So we're going to hit some fuel saving tips. We're going to talk about the differences between the different types of electrified vehicles. We're going to hit you with a bit of news um, and we'll go from there. Yeah. How's that sound? That sounds good to me. All right, cool. Um, so thank you for joining us today. Um, let's get right into it. Yeah. So I wanted to first go over the difference between hybrids PHEVs. You mean PHEVs. PHEVs. I hate saying PHEVs. I don't think that's a thing that normal people <laughs> say, but it stands for a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle yep. um, and EVs and yes. kind of the pros and cons of each, because I think that with these like crazy high gas prices, the interest in electrified vehicles has like definitely shot up. Totally. Um, and our like auto trader data shows that like people have become a lot more interested through our search yeah. history and stuff like that. Um, so let's start with hybrids. So maybe let's go through, uh, what is a hybrid and kind of the pros and cons of a hybrid. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I'm sure you guys know at least somewhat like a hybrid would, would utilize two fuel sources, right? You know, and, and of course, most commonly gas and electricity. So it's not something that can run, you know, strictly on electro electric power. Yeah, so for a hybrid, you don't plug it in and you no. cannot plug it in. No. And so what happens is that the gas engine charges the battery. It works in conjunction with, you know, a battery. So Toyota is a good example, right? And it uses two electric motor generators up front. One of them that puts batter puts energy into the battery pack and one of them that drives the wheels. And then that works in conjunction with the gas engine. Like you said, it'll work to either charge or drive the wheels so with a little bit heavier foot it's gonna propel you forward when you let off it's gonna allow that to spin in reverse one of the motor generators to spin in reverse and that's gonna put energy into the battery yeah and so i mean like you mentioned the prius that is probably the most popular and well-known hybrid out there these days there are so many different options and i really like hybrid vehicles because they're very easy to get used to like even if you've never driven a hybrid or an electric vehicle before a hybrid vehicle works pretty much like a normal conventional gas-powered car oh totally my hot take <laughs> there is no reason any of you and us you know shouldn't be driving hybrids if you're not ready for electrification a hybrid will do and, and there's hybrid pickup trucks now hybrid minivans sedans crossovers crossovers like there is no excuse to not look at them and whether it's you know oh, if you were concerned that they feel underpowered well trust me if you drive the Ford F150 hybrid or you know the Toyota Tundra hybrid that's on its way 
you're not going to have any concerns about you know underpowered those can tow just like a normal truck only they you know burn way less gas it's very handy and that is the real reason why anyone would consider a hybrid so like hybrids are usually like a little bit more expensive than their gas powered counterparts but like not a dramatic difference no and the savings that you have in fuel are wild so like just as an example recently i was driving a lexus nx 350h it is their new hybrid crossover, uh, sub no compact luxury crossover. I was getting like 6.5 liters per 100 kilometers. Yeah, and when I tested the F-150 hybrid last year, remember I drove like some crazy number, you know, like 1,200 kilometers, and I averaged 9.8 liters per 100. For and, a full-size truck. Yeah, and that was like city, highway, you know, off-road. Like it was, it was a well-rounded test, and uh, it's amazing just how little fuel it can burn. And there's lots of benefits. They all, you know, I think automakers are aware that they need to kind of sweeten the pot a little bit. So Ford is another great example with, with you know, with that onboard inverter. So you can use the truck as essentially a generator um, to run all kinds of stuff. And, you know, that's just a nice, it's, it's handy because if you tow a trailer, you can plug your trailer directly into the truck uh, and, you know, keep the fridge on so you don't have to worry about how you're going to get your food to that campsite, however far away it is, because you can just have everything running and just plug it straight into the into the back of the truck. It's such a handy feature to have. And you even said it was like your favorite feature of that entire truck. It <laughs> might still be my favorite feature of the last two years. Wow, really? Like, I just think it's so amazing. You know, when my friends and I went camping with the gas model, we like brought a projector and a sheet and like hung it from the trees and watched movies. That's and, so cool. Oh yeah, it was amazing. The way you camp is like unreal because it's so fancy. Yeah, like my friends took to calling me the Sultan because I have this massive tent and I like had a carpet by the, because I don't want to track dirt into my tent, right? So but I you're like, camping, isn't that just like a normal thing that, ha I don't camp, like I me. hate camping, but. Yeah, I'm not that kind of camper. Um, so yeah, hybrids, tons of benefits, no real downside to no. hybrids. No. Um, they also use uh, regenerative braking to help charge the yeah. batteries, which is which, really cool. And I think, you know, that's actually something that we can demyst de our first demystification. If I could play an effect of like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like this would be it. Okay. Regenerative brakes are not brakes. And this is, I think, something that's misunderstood. It's actually just the electric motor cycling in reverse, right? And, and I had a question about this uh, recently with an electric vehicle that I drove and, um, you know, a, a viewer of, of the video, I think it was the um, Kia Sorento plug-in hybrid. Cool. Uh, and he had, you know, said he kind of was having a hard time wrapping his head around how it worked. Um, and when you think about it, it's just like, you know, your vacuum at home or whatever, anything that's got like a brushless or a, or a cord, let's say a drill, right? An electric drill. It's a brushless motor. So as quickly as it spins forward, as soon as you let go of that trigger, it stops. And then if you flick the switch and you can spin it in reverse. Well, basically an electric motor works in that same way in a vehicle where as soon as you let off the accelerator, as long as the, the regenerative braking is enabled, it'll just cycle in reverse. And that's gonna take that kinetic, kinetic energy and put it into the battery pack. So you're not wasting anything and so that's hybrids plug-in hybrids and electric vehicles all have that feature and it's it's really beneficial because it means also less wear and tear on your brakes because it's not totally. actually using those brakes to yeah. slow down the car yeah it's really and then that get you know one pedal driving takes it a step further so it can actually bring vehicles to a halt now 
hybrids don't have one pedal driving, but some plugins do nowadays and, and electric yep. cars do. And so one cool thing about hybrids is that some of them allow you to run in a fully EV mode, but it's all automatic. So you don't really have to think about it, which is why I love hybrids so much. So whenever it requires not a lot of power, so like when you're parking or idling or like low speed or even just like maintaining a coast, it'll go in EV. And I think that is so cool and does it automatically. Like um, in that Lexus I was driving, it will also show you the per portion of your drive that was done in EV mode. And I was up to like 60 something percent in at one point. Yeah, that's I really do like that. And that's something that I think, again, needs to be kind of, you know, demystified in a sense is that there's no dedicated electric driving range, which is important to note. So a plug in hybrid, it's got a bigger battery pack. You can charge it overnight and you might get, you know, let's say anywhere from about 25 to 60 kilometers is usually about the average um, but when you're when you're taking a look at a hybrid it doesn't have that same capability but it will add up over time um, and it's really great when they have that kind of gamified like you can challenge yourself right so you were doing I remember you told me with the NX and you were super excited and back when I tested the Ford Escape hybrid I did it too and trying to hit that 50-50 balance was always nice where, oh, okay, I just did that drive and 48% was was under electric propulsion. So I'm gonna try a little harder next time. And yeah, I really do uh, appreciate that. And I think that's another thing that might be misunderstood of how they work is that it can operate under electrification, just not in the same way as a, as a plug-in hybrid or an electric. Yeah, but I love hybrids because they're like, basically turnkey and go. You don't have to think about it and your gains in fuel economy are going to be so noticeable. And so, yeah, there's really no downside to having a hybrid. Um, but moving on to PHEV, so that's plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. You mean PHEV. I'm going to do it every time. I don't like saying it. <laughs> it sounds weird. No, that's what it is. It's a PHEV. Okay, so PHEV, I don't like it. I'm not going right. to, I'm not going to do <laughs> Anyway, um, like Dan said, they usually have a, uh, a bigger, bigger battery pack and it runs in conjunction with a gas propelled engine. So same as same as the hybrid that we just went through. So, you know, it's got a couple with in the case of Toyota, again, it's got a couple motor generators to go with a with a gas engine, um, but with a bigger battery pack. So you might have like, let's say, a couple kilowatt hour battery pack in a in a hybrid. And then you might get like a 17 kilowatt hour battery pack in a plug-in hybrid. And that means if you hook it up at home overnight or even on level two charging, some of them have level two capability, um, you can get that, you know, like I said, 25 to 60 kilometers is about average for, for plug-ins. Yeah. And so for a plug-in hybrid, you get um, smaller range, but once that range is depleted, it'll just default to using the, the gas. So it's Yeah. It operates easy. like a hybrid essentially yeah. at that point, right? Yeah. Not all of them are created equal. And I, that's another thing that Yeah. They are to... a little bit different depending on like which automaker it is. Um, but Dan had a really good experience with that Kia Sorento PHEV that you drove a while ago, where basically he discovered that like unless you're plugging it in every day to maximize the time spent in EV mode, it's not really worth it because one of the one of the things about PHEVs is that they are uh, significantly more expensive than their gas powered counterparts, right? Totally. And, you know, and for that, it was like, you know, that that's a good example of it where the Sorento isn't quite as efficient. So I think I averaged right around, it was something like, you know, nine and a half liters per hundred kilometers um, once the battery was depleted. Whereas if you look at a Toyota RAV4 Prime, which is the plug-in hybrid, 
uh, version. That is about as efficient as the conventional hybrid once the battery's used up. So it just depends on, you know, the make and model, how, you know, what kind of like that series um, hybrid system, how right. it works. Um, and yeah, that's an example of, of why I think for a lot of people, let's say you live outside the city and your commute is more than about 50 kilometers and you don't have access to charging at the office as well as at home, then the conventional hybrid is going to make more sense. I think for a lot of people, especially around town, a plug-in hybrid is a great option because, you know, especially with low speed, because again, using the regenerative brakes um, and stoplight to stoplight, that's another thing that we should cover is that traditionally gas-powered vehicles are more efficient on the highway than they are in the city, whereas hybrids and electrics are the opposite yep. of that because they can rely on that electrification and those regenerative brakes. Um, so they, they tend to burn less whatever fuel source you're talking about uh, around town. And uh, so that's one of those things where a, where a plug-in hybrid is going to make a lot of sense for somebody who maybe has to commute from one end of town to the other. Uh, and it's only about 30 kilometers or so. And it's not, you know, very burdensome. Yeah. Whereas if you're coming from, you know, let's say Kitchener to, to Toronto, like the conventional hybrid is going to be the better choice. Yeah. So I know some people who own plug-in hybrids and they really love it because they're like, I can get... I, I haven't put in gas in my car for like two months. It's because they, they're, you know, they restrict themselves to like a radius so they can get all their errands done only on electric power, which is so cool to me. Um, so, but the key is that you really have to be able to plug it in as much as you can. Um, and PHEVs are kind of like, PHEVs are, are kind of a good like in-between step between a conventional gas-powered car and a full EV. Yeah, and then, you know, it's, it's one of those things, right? Everybody's got their, their preference in that, you know, in that realm. Um, I do think it comes down to, you know, your use case. But my big thing really is if you're in the market for a new vehicle, it's 2022. Like if you're not looking at one of these, you know, alternative uh, powered vehicles, if you can really call them that anyways. But, you know, if you're not looking at a hybrid or a plug-in or a full electric car now, like, it's just silly because, you know, there, there's no sense in burning more gas than you need to. It's that simple to me. It's true, yeah. And so, like, for me personally, I would love to get an EV, which is what we're going to move on to next. Um, but the only caveat is that, like, I and Dan, too, we live in buildings that don't have chargers. And so because we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves now, but like the public charging infrastructure isn't amazing right now. That's so polite. I would call it, I think I called it deplorable in a, in an opinion piece I it's wrote. It's true. Um, it's we'll, we'll get back to that yeah. later. Um, but like, let's kind of go through EVs. So EVs are like, there's so much buzz around EVs right now. You know, Tesla. <laughs> I see <laughs> what you did there. I didn't even do that on purpose. Um, but Tesla really did a lot in like making EVs like cool and mainstream and desirable. Um, and so a lot of other automakers kind of like had to catch up to, to Tesla and their like level of innovation. But uh, an electric vehicle runs solely on battery power. Yeah. There's no gasoline used at all. They are completely silent, which is really cool. Um, typically these days you can get around like 250 to like 500 kilometers Yeah, I think that's a range. safe, safe range. Um, some do better and obviously like more modern ones are going to be a little bit, you know, have a little bit better range because they have, you know, improved technology, more cells. That's the big thing with battery tech, right? Is like to be able to squeeze more cells into the same, you know, kind of footprint for, for lack of a better term. Um, 
and uh, yeah, but it, they don't, there's no, the, no gas. So that is the issue for some people is like, well, I, you know, range anxiety or, oh, I like to, you know, go, I, I like to drive to Montreal a couple times a year. And it's like, I get that. Right. And that's why, again, that infrastructure needs to get better. Um, but my thing is, I think EVs make a lot of sense as kind of like a second vehicle for, for, sure. for a lot of households. Um, I know they're expensive and, and especially now, like things aren't getting, you know, any cheaper these days. Um, but the reality is, what is it, 2035, the federal government has that target that internal combustion powered vehicles will no longer be sold. Yeah. And that includes hybrids. There's no no gas powered vehicles. Yeah. And so that means pretty much that by that time, every new vehicle that we will be able to buy will be an EV. And that's that's in about 10 years. So that's yeah. going to creep up on us real fast. And again, to, to just kind of, you know, make make sure that you guys understand that it's it's new vehicles so it's not like the government's gonna you know go put out to pasture your your 20 year old car throw it in the dump no it's just that you won't be able to buy new and again that is a target um it's not necessarily a mandate like a hundred percent i feel like it is gonna shift potentially um one other note on the on the kind of ev side that i think another hot take because why not right that's why we're here i really wish hydrogen was a bigger deal you know what the hydrogen-powered EVs made a lot of sense in concepts, but the problem is that there was zero infrastructure to support it. Yeah. There was, like, one hydrogen refueling system um, in the I th- province? I think, well, so I don't think there's any publicly accessible in Ontario. Right. And then there's something like, you know, a half dozen right. in BC and then a couple in Quebec. And that's it? Yeah. So the backstory with hydrogen is that you would go to a station to refuel it. It was very fast. Yeah, like five minutes. To refuel a whole tank. And Mm -hmm. the only waste would be water. Yeah, literally (laughs) just your tailpipe emissions is just water droplets. Yeah, and so all of the benefits of EVs were there except the infrastructure, right? That's, I think, what the failing is. Um, Because, you know, there's there's no mining like that that's a concern i think you know with when you're looking at cobalt mining and everything for for these battery packs um i really wish that there was some more foresight because you know toyota's got the mirai which i haven't driven but you know our our colleagues that have driven it have said it's very good mm-hmm. hyundai has what was it called the, the nexo, nexo fuel cell vehicle um it's such a cool concept because like you said it just it it behaves exactly like an electric vehicle, um, but it doesn't take as long to to fill up. Uh, you don't have to plug it in, and it's just you know, and that goes back to our infrastructure troubles in this country. You know. Yeah. So I've done a lot of time in EVs. I've taken them on long road trips, and like for example, I've driven from Toronto to like Kingston on fully EV a couple times. You and your mom did that big road trip a couple winters ago. Remember. Um, you went down and picked her up and you guys went to like Buffalo or something. You did yeah, some shopping. Yeah, like they live and... out in St. Catharines and I live in Toronto. So that's like a pretty long, that's a pretty long haul. And so what I discovered with the public infrastructure for charging is that like, it's just not very good for many reasons. So first of all, in most of these um, chargers, you can't use a credit card to pay easily. So they force you to have an app. 
and then you have to load money into the app and then you can charge if the chargers are even working because yeah. half the time they're broken yeah i've had a <laughs> lot of trouble with that it's very frustrating and then just you know the the lack of chargers around again like jody said neither of us live in buildings with with chargers um i live in port credit so you know the south part of mississauga right by the water and there are two publicly accessible chargers in my entire neighborhood it's yeah. a very you you've been it's very busy and that's not enough no and, and one of them is at a grocery store and it's like you know a trickle of a charger and then another one is at a bank that's my only those are my only two options yeah and those aren't even the fast ones no. right those are only level twos yeah the closest fast charger is like 50 kilometers from my house to which point it's like what that you're gonna spend all of your range driving to get it charged right yeah. and so while i'm a huge fan of evs i really do think that the infrastructure has to get better before you know evs can become mainstream that being said if you have a house with a garage and you are able to install your own level two EV charger, it's a no brainer for me. Like if I had that access to, to garage space, an EV would be my next car for sure. Yeah. So that, you know, I mean, I'm not an electrician and of course it's going to change province to province, um, territory to territory, but you know, budget a couple grand to have a, a level two charger installed at home. But the good thing is a lot of provinces and territories um, that offer EV rebates also offer rebates on having those chargers installed. So basically you buy one, you have your receipt from, from an electrician. So as long as it's not like, you know, a friend doing it, doing it for you on the side, you know, you can get some of that money back. Yeah. And that's the other cool thing. If you guys are in the market for, you know, let's say an electric or a, or a plug-in hybrid vehicle, those are what qualify for rebates. Um, I think that's another thing that people don't understand is it's not necessarily... The onus isn't on you as the consumer anymore. In a lot of cases, um, the dealers will do it for you. Yeah, they'll do all the paperwork so you don't have and to. They'll pre and they'll give you the money up front. Yep. So it's very cool that you don't have to, you know, kind of jump through those hoops. Um, t lots of dealers will, will take care of that and it just makes it a little easier. So let's say you buy something and, and it qualifies for, for the full $5,000 uh, federal federal uh, zero emission vehicle rebate five grand off the dealer will just knock that right off the purchase price yep so it's instant savings and that is something that i think is maybe misunderstood about you know the process of buying um in lots of provinces it's it's really too bad that that ontario doesn't offer a rebate anymore i'd like to see it you know in in some of the prairie provinces as well but bc quebec virtually every maritime province and I'm pretty sure Yukon also has uh, an EV rebate. They they vary, you cool. know, in in amounts. And then there's also that federal one. So, you know, there. I think that's another piece of the puzzle, right? Is that if we're going to hit that 2035 kind of target of cutting gas-powered vehicles, like there's going to have to be some because they, like you said, they are expensive. You know? Yeah, for sure. And especially if you don't have a charger at home, charging publicly can be expensive. So it's just a lot more affordable, even after you consider the cost of installing the charger to to charge an EV at home. Yeah. Um, like one of our writers did a comparison of how it like how much it would cost to drive 100 kilometers. And if he's charging at home, it was like 10 times less expensive than driving oh, with gas. <laughs> yeah, like it might cost you a few bucks. You know, if you're charging off peak, that's another one, right, is make sure you charge overnight you know, off-peak hydro rates, 
it's going to cost you, you're not even going to notice it. Yeah, it's just a little bill. blip. Um, and so to me, I love EVs. I would, I would love to get an EV, but it would really be dependent on my building, like offering a charging solution. Yeah. Um, so that's our kind of breakdown on hybrids, PHEVs, and EVs. If yeah. you guys have any questions about any of that stuff, please email us at expert at trader.ca. Um, our next episode is going to be focusing purely on EVs, electric vehicles. So if you have any questions, let us know. I think it'll be a really great chance for you to kind of ask us things that you think are silly, but they're, trust me, they're not silly. They're really good questions. Um, but I did want to talk about a little bit of EV news. Yep. And so one of the biggest, most highly anticipated, like literal biggest <laughs> electric vehicles coming out is the new GMC Hummer EV. Pickup pickup truck yeah so we just ran our first drive review you can catch it at autotrader.ca slash editorial and this thing is wild yeah it's it's huge it's like you know literally like 10 feet wide like it's it's massive i mean you know what the old hummers look like it's like that except it's way more spacey looking kind of crazy um, and our, our rider who was down, I think it was in California or no, something. Arizona. Oh, Arizona driving yeah. the Hummer EV pickup sent me this video. And it is so physically wide that it needed three wipers. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, I mean, you know, at some point, I think Chris in his review, I don't want to give too much away because I really do think, you know, you guys would benefit from from reading it. But um, like he said, like, at, is it really that? eco-friendly to drive an electric vehicle that huge like and he made a really good point where he was like i don't know why this vehicle exists but i'm really happy it does it's so extra and yeah. it doesn't need to be that extra but i think it's cool that it did it anyway um so i just wanted to go through some of the the like the specs don't make sense to me because they're so out there so it has about f over 500 kilometers of range great which is crazy considering how big and heavy yeah. it is for them to get that much range. Um, can you explain to me how it has 11,500 pound feet of torque? I can because it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I just want you to go through like how they come up with that number. Yeah, so GM hasn't officially, you know, explained it, um, but to, to kind of break it down is like when you see the torque number, um, so, you know, like, let's say a Toyota Corolla, you know, two liter, it's got a 151 pound feet of torque. Um, that's measured at the, at the flywheel, which is attached to the engine. It's, it's the crankshaft. It's what is on the end where, you know, the pistons, that's what gets the whole thing moving. Yep. It's how you get power to the wheels. Yeah. And so, uh, that's where it's traditionally measured. Um, whereas that astronomical number that GM provides is in all likelihood a measurement of the torque at the wheels and it kind of uses the kind of gear ratio and the and the axle ratios to its advantage so you know there it's probably like it's still going to be a ton it's going to be like you know probably close to a thousand right horsepower or a pound feet of torque in practicality but yeah in in reality that's just you know gm trying to to so it's basically just like a brag that's 100%. not super accurate. Because it's actually like, you know, if like big heavy duty diesel trucks, if you were using that same measurement, would make even more 
torque than right. that. Right, okay. So yeah. that's good to know. So just when you see numbers like that, kind of think to yourself that there's more to the story. Wait, let's call it this. When in doubt, check it out. Or better yet, email expert at trader.ca. That's exactly what we should do. We want to hear your questions. And so uh, the Hummer EV has three electric motors, one powering the front wheels and yep. two powering each of the rear wheels. Yep. This thing, which is the size of a house, can accelerate from zero to like 100 in about three seconds. Yeah, it's extra. Which is so extra. Like, why do you even need to do that? And one of the things that I thought was so funny about the Hummer EV is that it has a WTF mode, which is watts to freedom. Yeah. And it's basically their launch control mode. Yeah. And so you would use launch control like if you're drag racing somebody. Yeah. And so like, why would this huge truck need to have it? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I part of my what I'm realizing more is I think, you know, automakers have tried the traditional route um, of just being like, oh, check out this efficient vehicle. Right. So, um, you know, Chevy had the the Volt years ago, which was, you know, a little bit of a of a cheater car, I would call it because <laughs> it was a it was an EV, um, but it also had a gas engine. I guess, but it, they used it as a generator. Not well, to so that's the thing, right? It's because they, you know, Chevy said, well, it's not directly powering the wheels. But it was just like this little kind of quirky looking sedan. Um, and then the Bolt came out, which is still quirky, but a little more conventional as far as, you know, it just being like a hatchback. And they've been fairly popular, but EVs still kind of lack, aside from the Tesla, lack that, up, you know, just general, like the mass appeal. So like I the think, wow factor. Yeah. So I think, no, now that's what I think yeah. they're doing is like, okay, you guys weren't happy with just it being efficient and, and a kind of more eco-friendly choice. So how about we give you like Murica, you know, in a, like it's, it's huge. It's unnecessary. Is it going to, you know, appeal but to people, people? are like talking about it and they're excited about it, which I think is really cool. Cause I love to see people getting excited about EVs, even if they're crazy extra EVs like this. Um, but yeah, it's very like America. The, yeah. the hidden little American flags everywhere is Easter eggs. There's a bunch of other Easter eggs too. Um, some of them are like a little, you know, more egregious than others. There's, um, if you look at some of the icons in the infotainment screen, like mm -hmm. one of them has like a silhouette of a Hummer EV pickup driving over a Cybertruck, <laughs> which is Tesla's you know, alleged. That's fighting words. Yeah, that's that's Tesla's alleged entry in the right. EV truck And game. so for some background, Tesla came out with the Cybertruck. It was like basically a triangle. A cheese wedge. A cheese wedge, if you will. And um, we, no one's seen it yet. And well, so they've <laughs> had this one prototype that's been roaming around. And in the time that since Tesla has announced it, you know, this technically is a is a pickup, the Hummer EV. The Ford F-150 Lightning is like around the corner. Mm -hmm. Chevy has announced the Silverado EV, which is cool because it uses the same, you know, powertrain as as the Hummer. Right. But it's just going to be a little more practical and, and less flashy, but still really, really good. And probably a lot more affordable. Oh, um, yeah. Rivian with the R. Is it R1T or RT1? So, Anyways, yeah. one of those. Um, but there was this big race from all of the automakers to be the first to the market with an yeah. electric truck, right? Yeah. And so these little fun Easter eggs are like jabs at each other. Like, hey, yeah. I did it first, uh, which I think is like fun. <laughs> um, so like, lots of little Easter eggs in the Hummer EV. I can't wait to drive it. I think it is just so 
incredibly silly. Yeah, same. But so exciting at the same time. Um, oh, and the, we should talk about the, the whole crab walk thing. Oh, yeah. So this Hummer EV has rear wheels that can turn independently of the front wheels like they right? turn so you know it's not really like a new concept and for gm i even remember um years ago like early 2000s there was a um gmc sierra denali pickup and it had quadrasteer okay it's what gm calls its four-wheel steering system and even before that mazda's had four-wheel steering and and honda you know, had, honda it, had it yeah too. the prelude yeah um but so how it works, and you know, quadrasteer was the same way, is that at high speed, all four wheels would turn in the same direction. So if you were changing lanes, it was just very easy to shift. Right. At lower speeds, the, the rear wheels would turn in the opposite direction of the front to, to give you a tighter turning circle. And then with the Hummer EV, it's gone to a new level because the wheels, there's no axle connecting them. They're, it's, right. You know, they're, they can turn on those kind of electric motors um so it does what what gm is calling the crab walk so it can basically drive like diagonally yeah which is really interesting um and for a vehicle that is this like physically large being able to like kind of shrink um its turning circle will be massive for just like driving in normal roads totally <laughs> and that it, it seems you know the the auto industry goes through these these phases right of like you know, what's a cool feature, what's something that's interesting. So I think, you know, Rivian, is it not Rivian has tank turn? Um, yeah. Which is like the same. It's a similar concept. Crab and then Ford, even with the Bronco, you know, moving away from, from EVs for a second. Um, trail turn assist, which basically just like locks the inside rear wheel so that you can have a tighter turning radius. So it's just one of those gimmicky, I think Chris said in his, like it, the, the whole crab walk thing is so silly and like you're never going to use it they basically made it to show off on tiktok exactly. like it's one yeah. of those features that you would make a tiktok about go viral and show all your friends and family but like you'll never actually use it in real life yeah um so it's cool but again like so extra totally yeah. unnecessary especially you know in in canada i've been lucky enough to to go four-wheeling you know in a lot of places and oftentimes they're narrow trails so a vehicle like this Hummer just isn't going to get there you in the first place. physically won't fit without, like, destroying a lot of nature. Yeah, like, <laughs> tread lightly is, you know, a concept yeah. that, that you should be following. So, I mean, I don't really see it having practical use. But... No, I think people, like, if you're people who were who can afford a Hummer EV for the first place, because it's, yeah. like, six figures, yeah. it's very expensive, nobody's going to be off-roading it, right? Like, No, when I saw that, I was asking WTF and not Watts to Freedom, you know? <laughs> It's really It's a question we all had. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's all about the Hummer EV. There's so many interesting facts about this truck. Um but yeah, just check check out our review on autotrader.ca/editorial. It's a really entertaining fun car review for a really fun and entertaining Yeah, car. and you know, Chris is such a great writer and and yeah. really, you know, again, we've talked about it's like that concept of kind of simplifying things and and uh i think chris did a really great job with yeah, that you know this hummer ev review you can read it like my mom would be able to read it and totally understand what's going on and that's the vibe we're going for here making car stuff simple um so yeah that's the hummer ev it's time for ask an expert all right 
we need some kind of like like some yeah. kind of music for Ask an Expert. And so because it is Earth Month, we had some questions about easy ways to save fuel. Okay, yeah. That don't include just not driving. Because I asked Dan a couple weeks ago, I'm like, Dan, I need some easy ways to, to save fuel. He just looked at me and said, don't drive. Well, it's because I'm excited. It's, it's I was biking like, no, season. stupid. Don't no, say that. No, it's biking season. I'm excited to get out on my mountain bike. So that's all I had in my mind. But I get that too. But for some people, that's not an option. Totally. So for me, one of the biggest things I do to reduce my fuel consumption is just drive a lot more gently, which I know sounds silly, but if you're racing from stoplight to stoplight, like just flooring it each time, you're burning a lot of fuel that you don't need to be. And, you know, there are actually studies that that have looked into, you know, kind of speed and how that affects it. And it's very true, like, you know, because you can look at it, you know, in your gauge cluster, you look at your at your tack, right? That's showing you your engine speed. Well, at 120, if it's running at like 2,500 RPM versus 110 is running at like 2,100, well, the slower your engine's turn, RPM is, is revolutions per minute. So the, the slower your engine is operating, the less fuel it needs to do that, which means you're gonna burn less. And every car has a sweet spot, right? Yep. So some of them, it, it does vary because gear ratios and all that stuff. But like when you own a car, you drive it enough, you're gonna find the sweet spot as long as you're paying attention to it. So some cars just have that kind of optimal, you know, operating range. I remember I had my Subaru out back and like 108 was the perfect highway speed where I would get, you know, sub nine liters per hundred kilometers. Often in the summertime, it was like in the sevens and on the highway and it was amazing. And I just find like driving slower, it's better it burns less gas. It takes it less it's, stressful. It's totally, safer. totally. You're yeah. not on edge. And so there's lots of benefits. Another one, simple one, make sure you have the proper air pressure in your tires. That's a big one. It's huge. And it can actually have such a huge impact on how much gas you're burning. Yeah. Because if your tires are underinflated, your car is using so much more effort to get those wheels going, which means you're burning a lot more fuel. Totally. And another little uh, tip use the sticker in your door jam and not what the tire says what's what's on the tire is the maximum psi that that tire is rated for what's in the door jam is the recommended tire pressure for your vehicle and quite often it'll have you know a winter tire pressure versus uh, an all-season pressure and it'll have it based on you know, if, if you have it fully loaded with people and stuff versus if it's if it's empty. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so make sure, you know, and it's usually in that kind of, you know, high 20s to, to mid 30s uh, on average. Make sure you've got the right tire pressure and you will notice that your fuel bill will be dramatically lower. That's a really good tip. Um, the other one I like to tell people is like, don't drive on your winter tires all year round. Um, I know it can be tempting because like I'm... I just forget to change them sometimes. Especially I with don't the have pandemic, time. People driving less. Yeah, but winter tires um, use a lot more. F well, not a lot more, but like an, an enough more fuel that you'll notice. Yeah, unless you know. So, so last year, for years, I've been talking to people about that. If you don't want to change them, if it's you know too much of a hassle, there there are what are called all weather tires, and it basically just means you don't. It's the best of both worlds. Um, it's not you know quite as efficient in the summertime as an all season it's not quite as um you know winter kind of 
I don't want to say winter optimized maybe is a good sure. way to put it as as a full winter tire but it's close and it is they are proper winter rated that little mountain snowflake symbol that's the you know rubber the industry association's uh, designation for a winter tire um all weather tires are winter rated that's what i have on my car because i drive it so little yeah. and i've got to say like so far i put them on last september and i've been doing phenomenal uh, as far as my fuel efficiency with those tires. And it was a noticeable difference from your other tires? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. See, that's so important, right? Yeah. Um, another tip I like to tell people is like, if your car has an eco mode, use it. Yeah, totally. It, it kind of uh, restricts how how much you could throttle or how, yeah, how like you can accelerate. And, you know, I do have to kind of give uh, Hyundai and Kia like a little shout out because, you know, usually you've got eco mode, normal and sport, right? And then... Hyundai and Kia introduced a smart mode. And uh, what it means is basically it's an eco mode, but it recognizes when you might be driving with a heavier foot. Let's say you're merging onto the highway. Right. So it'll give you that same, the sport level performance, but then it'll automatically default back. So you're not switching between modes. But 100%, I, every vehicle I drive, you know, virtually every week, I'm in a new vehicle. And one of the first things I do if it has an eco mode, that's what I set it in. Obviously, I test all the modes because, you know, that's part of my job. But my, you know, default mode of choice, unless it's some, you know, performance vehicle, yeah. is eco mode because I don't, you know, what's the point of burning fuel unnecessarily? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and in a similar vein, if your vehicle has cruise control, I would recommend using cruise control, yeah. especially if it's like a wide open highway drive with nobody there. Yeah. You, you set your cruise control and that way you're not losing um you know you're not wasting fuel like losing speed and then gaining it again which is which is a big one. Oh, it's it's not uh you know green green related but cruise control related i did just drive gm's latest version of super cruise right and i'll tell you that is a game changer it's the future you know jody and i before we we started recording today we're talking and i i'm still not convinced that autonomous vehicles like full autonomous vehicles will ever really become a thing that that we can buy but semi-autonomous ones i think that's where the you know where yeah. the, there's an opening and so super cruise for those of you who don't know super cruise is an advanced version of an already advanced adaptive cruise control so in with super cruise it works on divided highways GM so far has mapped like 320,000 kilometers throughout the states and, and Canada. You engage adaptive cruise control and then you hit a button on the steering wheel. And what it does is it lets you drive completely hands-free. And as of right now, that is the only system available that you can do that with. Yeah. And it's very, so that is an important one. Legally. <laughs> there, there are no self-driving cars. This is as close as you will get on the market right now. GM has plans to roll it out in like 23 vehicles um, for the 22 model year. And it uses a little infrared camera on the steering column. It's got this green light bar on the steering wheel. And then it's got prompts in the instrument cluster. But as long as you're paying attention to the road, because, you know, the onus is still on you as the driver, it will do everything yeah. on the highway on its own right down to now the latest version that I just tested can change lanes either fully automatically or on demand. 
So like, you know, BMW and Mercedes, you can activate the signal stock and it'll change lanes on its own. So yeah. you don't actually have to like turn the wheel, but your hands are still on it. With this one, it'll do that. So you can reach over and, you know, tap the signal and it'll do it. But if you have it set to the automated feature, cool. it'll approach slower traffic. And as long as the left lane is open, it'll just move right over move around them and then automatically switch back into the center lane. That must have been so trippy to experience, but like, wow. But I, so that was the thing. And I went into it thinking like, okay, cause I've driven some adaptive cruise systems where with my hands on the wheel, I don't fully trust it. This was like a very, you know, disarming system. I almost immediately, I didn't feel, you know, like I, I kind of was uncomfortable with what it was doing. It just was very well measured, very balanced. And the other cool thing is, for all, you know, you truck owners out there who might be interested, you can tow with it. What? Which is amazing. That's so cool. And this is something that I've, you know, said for years now is like, you're well within your rights to use cruise control when you're towing on the highway. Let's say you, you know, live in Alberta, Saskatchewan, like those are some long hauls, some straight, you know, straight flat roads. Mm -hmm. um, but you shouldn't use adaptive cruise control currently. But Super Cruise and, and Ford, to its credit, with its Blue Cruise, which is, you know, Ford's version of Super Cruise is apparently going to allow you to do the same thing. I didn't get a chance to test the towing capabilities, but GM is very confident that this will do everything that I experienced with a trailer on the back, too. That's a game changer, I think, for a lot of truck drivers. That'll be amazing. I think this is, you know, that's what I, I think the future of highway driving is one of these, you know, hands-free semi-autonomous systems. Cool. Yeah. I love that. Well, that's our Ask an Expert segment for Own the Road. Um, if you have questions to ask us, please send them to expert at trader.ca. We're going to pick a couple and try to answer them in every single episode. So we would love to hear from you. Um, you can find our content on autotrader.ca slash expert. We have news, reviews, how-tos, top tens, expert reviews. I already said that. Um, lots of really cool stuff on there. Uh, we're on TikTok because we're cool. Yeah. You'll see Dan and I a lot on our TikTok. You can find us on YouTube. Yep. All of your regular podcast subscribers. Um, and our next episode, we're going to be talking specifically about EVs, electric vehicles, because there's so much to go through. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that one. Some other, you know, EV news um, that'll still be pretty fresh, I think, is, you know, GM just announced big plans to to produce electrified vehicles in Oshawa and um, LG and Stellantis. So the former Chrysler right. Corp slash yep. former Fiat Chrysler. Uh, there's a big new battery plant being built in Windsor. Um, and that's really cool. And Ford has said that that it plans to, to build electrified vehicles in Oakville as well. Cool. And, you know, it's really, it's something I was thinking about this morning, right, is that, you know, a lot of talk about we need to kind of um, work on our national, you know, electric vehicle strategy. And as much as that's true for, you know, ownership and, and infrastructure, the auto industry really is centralized to Ontario. And that's just proximity to, to Michigan, um, the Rust Belt in general. There's so much auto production around there. But, you know, it's cool to see because Toyota builds hybrids in Cambridge mm -hmm. um, and has for a long time and is now building that Lexus NX that you just drove. Um, so basically not plug-in hybrids at the moment, but I'm sure that that 
you know, is something that's going to be on its way. Um, but it's great to see, you know, these big automakers making some investments um, in Ontario auto manufacturing to, to have some of that produced right here at home. I think that's super cool because it helps like future proof our local manufacturing scene, which totally. is so important to the economy. So I love to see that. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for joining us on this yeah. first episode of Own the Road with Auto Trader. We hope you subscribe and like our stuff. Um, if you have any feedback, again, you can act, you can email us at expert at trader.ca. But until next time, thank you so much. See you guys. Bye.